1: Coming up on the Gagan pod Match Day Edition. Two teams are through to the knockout stage of the Champions League. One of them, Liverpool, have unearthed another young gem. More on that coming up on the show. Real Madrid have suffered yet another defeat to Shakhtar Donetsk in an amazing Group B. We'll talk through all the permutations, even though we don't really get it. We'll also look ahead to all the matches coming up on Thursday morning Australian time, including the might of Ferencvaros Varos against the plucky Barcelona. That and a whole heap more coming your way on the pod joining me on the pod today michael bridges former champions league semi-finalist uh, premier league striker and good fella hello Good morning, very debatable Champions League semi-finalist. I was actually
2: sat with my leg in plaster cast cheering the boys on at Leeds United from home.
1: So you're not debating the fact you're a good fella.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I played my part there, you know, Barcelona's and the you know, the, the matches against them, but sadly a good injured, Rich. But thank you for saying I was a semi-finalist. I love that because I was part of that squad.
1: Look, you're already on the podcast. You don't need to put your resume in. You've made it through the doors. Also, Dave Weiner is with us. How would you enjoy this morning, Dave? An- another ripping Champions League morning there is always drama and
0: uh, I'm not a Champions League semi-finalist but delighted to have made it through the door too <laughs> no but you, you might,
2: are you, you are. might be on Champ Manager did you play Champ <laughs> Manager do you know I I started
1: it.
0: I, I'm, I have a personality that if I had got down the rabbit hole with it, I fear I would have become addicted, and I never got as involved as I could have.
1: Yeah, I think. Um, I reckon I've. Oh, I reckon I've won maybe nine or ten Champions Leagues with Leeds. Um, throughout the years, uh, all of them tinged with sadness, of course. Uh, from one goalkeeper, Dave Wiener to another, uh, Mark Schwarzer joins us because we're going to start today at Anfield. Obviously, Liverpool are through to the knockout stages, the final sixteen, with a game to spare, which is always handy, but particularly this season, the relief given that they can rest some players next week. Uh, Schwartzy, were you impressed with Liverpool in the 1-0 win? Um, well,
3: I'm not necessarily impressed. Um, you know, I think it's more about job done for Liverpool. Um, I think at times it was a little bit hairy, wasn't the fluid Liverpool seen old. all. Um, but I think overall, uh, more than more than happy with the result uh, to get that 1-0 victory, and making sure that they're, they're through the
1: knockout stages Yeah, Curtis Jones, the man that popped up. uh, A mistake from Andre Onana in goal for Ajax left an open goal, essentially, for him. So a youngster at one end grabbed the headlines for the goal. It was pretty much the guy at the other end, wasn't it, Schwartzy? 22-year-old Quivine. uh, Kelleher comes in to goal because Alisson's out for a couple of weeks with a hamstring issue. Jurgen Klopp chooses not to go with Adrian, which I'm sure Liverpool fans, half of them were probably agreeing with uh, furiously. And the young fella did a good job.
3: Well, I think he did more than a good job. I think he did an excellent job. I thought he was, uh, you know, from from word go, he looked very assured. He looked comfortable. He looked comfortable with the ball with his feet. Um, You know, what he had to deal with in the first half, he thought was very comfortable. I think he made one decent save uh, with his top hand to his left, um, pushed over the crossbar, even though I thought it was a little bit camera work. Probably Dave Wiener would have been very happy with that. Um, And then I think uh, second half is really when he came into his own. I thought second half. He made some very, very good saves, particularly the last one um, against Tundala. But I think, you know, I said it on the show uh, this morning during the coverage that I also was really impressed with the way he came out and dominated his own yard box. That, uh, for me, um, sort of like adds a little bit extra to it, you know. And, you know, goalkeepers are there to make saves. And, you know, this whole thing of uh, like the good shot stopper, you know, if you're not a good shot stopper, what are you as a goalkeeper? That's the fair basis you have to be. And I think he showed tonight, Kelly, that he's that
2: he's more than a shot stopper. Swarty Anfield's a very intimidating place to go. Been there many times myself and not had any luck there, so I know how hostile it can be. However, you and be playing behind closed doors. Uh, there's no fans there. Did, did that impact him um, into having a better game? Where he didn't feel the pressure. You
3: know, Liverpool fans, uh, particularly the Kop you know, are always incredibly supportive of their goalkeepers uh, and their, and their players, really. Um, but I know as a goalkeeper going there and playing there in Anfield, always received a good, out, uh, good reception, uh, being, been awaiting, you know. Um, so yeah, it, listen, it, obviously, it, I think if you're their goalkeeper you're there for a longer period of time, yes, it can be difficult, but that's every club's exactly the same. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think the fact that it was an empty stadium definitely played a little bit in his, in his, in his corner. However, it's Liverpool and there's an enormous amount of pressure on you to perform regardless. So whether there's a a whole lot of people in the stadium or not, and we all know what was riding on the game, and he would have known, of course, what was riding on the game. So massive opportunity for him, and he certainly took it. It's interesting
0: because Jurgen Klopp's Klopp's mood lately has been a bit tetchy. Like, it's been really interesting to watch the jovial figure um, get a little bit more moody, a little bit more agitated. And the thing is, even though he's this arm around sort of cuddly external personality, he can be ruthless. And this... Demoting of Adrian he probably falls into that boat. Do you think, in a way, the selection is him as well, making sure that there was no risk of uh, potentially Liverpool having, you know, another another maybe another goalkeeping error, goalkeeping error, nerves at the back. This is his way of setting the tone to almost get that ruthless competitive streak back into his side to say, "You're all on notice."
3: You know, I think uh, what was what was telling was in his pre-match interview, Jurgen Klopp, when he when he talked about the decision. Obviously, that was one of the questions he was asked very quickly. And the way he described it, Kelleher, and, and the way that he said that, you know, listen, he's a good shot stopper. He's trained really well. they in for four or five years in and around the first team. But he said he's a real footballing playing goalkeeper. And I think that was telling for me that that, that was one of the main reasons he made that decision. Um, and yes, 100%, you know, Adrian, this confidence has been, been not, I think, not only his own, but his teammates around him. Um, and the way Liverpool want to play, you know, they, they want to play out the back as much as they can, um, and that's certainly, you know, uh, Adrian's definitely not one of his strong points. Um, so I, I think for, for Jurgen Klopp, you know, I, I, I thought it was a massive call for so many reasons. And if you look at Jurgen Klopp's history since the, the club and his decision, and his decision with the goalkeeping position, obviously Loris Carrier's was a, was a, turned out to be a disastrous one for him. And that whole season, he went with him constantly, even though I thought Mignolet was playing some of the best football he'd been playing at the club. So I think he got that wrong. Obviously, you know, Carrius left. Alisson coming in, that was a good one. Obviously, top class decision, top class goalkeeper. Age Run was a, was a strange decision for me because he didn't really suit the way Liverpool played. But I don't think uh, anybody at the club thought that Alisson would be out injured as often as he has been. And clearly, you know, he, he's got an issue. He's had a lot of muscular injuries since he's been there and they're going to have to rely on a second-string goalkeeper. Kelleher may be the answer now, definitely on tonight's performance.
1: Well, obviously, the fans love it as well when a young kid comes through. So when they're back, no doubt they'll give him plenty of support from the cop. Uh, Schwartzie, thanks very much for your thoughts, mate. Always a pleasure. And Schwartzie will be with us tomorrow night as well, tomorrow morning Australian time on Thursday for Manchester United and PSG from Old Trafford. Can't wait to see just what he's wearing. This is an interesting group too before we move on, Bridgie, because elsewhere Atalanta and Michieland drew one all, and Ajax's loss means when Ajax host Atalanta next week, they need to win to get through. Who does? Atalanta or Ajax?
2: Oh, what a game it's going to be. An attacking team in Atalanta that love to, you know, dynamic pace and create lots of chances and score goals at will. Unfortunately, didn't didn't have that luxury this morning. Um, Michelin made it very tough for them. However, going up against Ajax, they play an expansive game. They're possession-based But they do let you have chances because they can be caught on the counter-attack. They play very open. I'm going to say, Dave and Rich, that this favours Atalanta
1: and they will get the result. All right. Well, nice for Mitty Land. They got their first ever point in the Champions League, Dave. Fabulous night for them. And they've been improving steadily through the
0: group. And so it was a nice reward for them. A famous night for them. And to be honest with you, they threw everything at it to hold Atalanta out. But it just shows you the margins of the Champions League. Like... Atalanta and I think Atalanta were up to, no Ajax were 2-0 up at Atalanta um, a couple of weeks back the goalkeeper mistake this morning uh, the late equaliser from Atalanta and now it all comes down to the grand final in Amsterdam but Atalanta have that slender margin so a point will do it for them
2: I've got to say, I've given you abuse over the last few podcasts because you say teams have good performances. They got beat 4-0, they got beat 5-0. Michelin did have a good performance.
0: And And Ferret's Barish have bounced back since I gave them a big up as well. Well, they had to because
1: they were being beaten by 10 when you talked them up. Also, a nice nod to Australian sport getting the term grand final in there. There haven't been too many grand finals in Amsterdam, but we know what you mean, Dave, and we're looking forward to that one from Group D next week. Elsewhere, though, the group at the moment, Group B. I mean, this is unbelievable. Four teams go into the final match day, able to qualify for the knockout stage. This is a group that includes obviously Real Madrid and Inter Milan. They were the big dogs going in. Gladback less favoured. Shakhtar, always capable of a surprise. And there was another one this morning, Dave. 2-0. They beat Real Madrid. That's two wins over Real Madrid. And Zizou, the legend he is, you reckon, is uh, in a bit of strife. I mean, I know he
0: said he's going to stand firm and he's not going to go and, he, and they'll have to push him over. Um, but... How can you as Real Madrid boss... 24 times they've been in the Champions League since it's been, you know, this, this format. 24 times they've got through to the qualifying... St- to the round of 16. They haven't been in the Europa League or the old UEFA Cup, I think, since 1995. I mean, this just doesn't happen. Thursday night football in the Spanish capital doesn't happen. Um, a counter-attack masterclass from Dentinho and Mano Solomon from a side, guys. Remember, the Shakhtar Donetsk have conceded 12 goals since they went 3-0 up at Real Madrid in the first match day. So... This result shouldn't happen. Real Madrid should not be uh, in this position. But the fact is, it's not as big a surprise as you think, given that they lost on the weekend to Alaves in La Liga. So they've got real trouble and
1: simply they can't win in Europe without Sergio Ramos. It appears not. He wasn't there this morning. So both Real Madrid and Shakhtar are on seven points. One point clearer than Bridgie in Group B. Munchen Gladbach, who would have gone through this morning if they beat Inter. Not only did they not do that, they lost it. And it brings Inter into play all of a sudden. They can go through as well on five points. First of all, Inter Milan, any chance? Lukaku scoring goals again. You'd love to see them really fight on the last day and push it all the way to the wire. You've just used the word fight. That's exactly
2: what this team had this morning. Lukaku, when he scored the goal, to make a 2-1 the the bench Conte went absolutely crazy he was ready to jump on the pitch the players knew that they'd done something and they held their own they went 3-1 up and then it was back to the walls and they hung on they showed the desire they showed the togetherness that is mm-hmm. needed um, Rich and I, I'm I reckon they can pull something out here you know because of that that was a marvellous performance The
1: they just looked together and the resolve they showed to get back in and show the fight brilliant I loved it if they win next week, Inter against Shakhtar, which is no easy feat, as we've seen, obviously, it will be at home at the San Siro, so they'll be favoured to get the three yeah. points. They need the other game to have a winner because if it's a draw in the other game, it's not enough for Inter. But if Gladbach beat Real Madrid or Real Madrid beat Gladbach, Inter will go through with a victory. Oh. Oh. But hang on, that, would that mean Real Madrid finish fourth and not go in the Europa League? That is also possible, that's possible. yeah. That's wow, possible. Okay. But yeah. I
0: actually think, I think the two big guns might still go through. Uh, Shakhtar, <laughs> Shakhtar have been, in between the two Madrid games, Shakhtar have been terrible. <laughs> yeah, but head-to-head
1: head against Real Madrid. This it's is the huge, thing. Huge, huge. Yeah.
2: But if, um, if Inter win... And, and Dave you're doing... normally so calm and relaxed you look absolutely frazzled mate the, the stats master
1: the man with all the knowledge is gone this is the amazing thing about the audio podcast medium you guys out there can't see Dave Weiner like Albert Einstein at the chalkboard hair frazzled in all directions doing the sums I bet. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we've got no idea. So we'll find out what happens next week, but keep an eye on Group B because it's definitely the group of life. Life we thought Atletico had this morning. They were all but through, it seemed. They were 1-0 up over Bayern Munich. All they needed to do, Atleti, was win against the Bayern that were, you know, resting a lot of players. The Germans were already through. They led the whole way, and then they let a goal in right at the death. And it means, Bridgie, next week, they they go, I should say, to Salzburg needing a point. That's not going to be easy. Not
2: and it was Thomas Müller from the penalty spot, the old guard that came on and did the damage. And it's not going to be easy. Salzburg playing very attractive attacking football. They're energetic. However, Atletico and Simeone. If there's any team that know how to stop that and break it down. Numbers behind the ball, they will make it tough for them. And I'm seeing Simeone with the experience and the knowledge. And João Felix, from me, he should have had a hatful. He didn't. He played yeah. brilliant. Should have scored more. That is the time to shine. And they will go through.
0: I think they'll rue today because uh, they've, it, they've, they've got to. Yeah, Bayern side without Neuil, Lewandowski, Goretzka. They're fo- they're focusing on RB Leipzig on the weekend, and Atletico could have put them away by half time. They did not. Salzburg, I, I just have a soft spot for them. I think even last year they've been really enterprising, and great to watch. It's surprising. Only Barcelona have had more shots in this Champions League group stage than Salzburg. Uh, coming into this match day. So
1: it's going to be a real, real ding-dong battle.
2: The stats man is back. He's, He's back. not frazzled.
1: Uh, isn't it amazing in European competition, Leipzig and Salzburg are seen as plucky underdogs, but yeah. in their respective domestic leagues, they're not. They're seen as the evil. Salzburg's one eight two on the weekend coming into this <laughs> game, by the way. Uh, so, yeah,
0: that tells you everything you need to know
1: about that. Yeah, they beat Locomotive Moscow this morning 3-1 to make sure that Group A is alive, Group C is uh, anything but, because Porto joined Manchester City through in the knockout stages with uh, a, an astounding, incredible nil-all draw against Manchester City this morning. You touched on it today, gents, in the post-game show about how, well, how did this happen for Man City? Because they belted Burnley like they always do, 5-0 at the weekend, goal-scoring boots back on. All of a sudden, no, they don't. Please do not put Burnley in the same category as Porto.
2: Ah, uh, well, they had opportunities. They well, they, yeah, they had opportunities. But this is a you know this is a structured Champions League team. Burnley are absolutely honking, and you know they
0: that's look a, okay. That's really interesting, though. So I'm thinking if if the Burnley game doesn't happen, we're sitting there on the couch saying Manchester City again, chance after chance after chance can't convert. You don't use that Burnley as a as
2: a like a. That's the caveat. I, I said on, I said in the show the other night when we were talking that Manchester City would put a load past Burnley because I thought this was the weekend when they could get that conversion rate better. They've had one of the worst conversion rates in the Premier League, and for them, they're still creating chances, but they are not scoring mm. them. And
0: 18 today, by the way, I know, for, for exactly. a blank
2: in Porto, defended immaculately. They they only had one chance, <laughs> they only had one shot on target. Porto. That shows what they're going to do. They went there to get the point and just totally destroy
1: this game, and that's what they did. I guess the point is, though, Bridgie, when you're a club like Manchester City where people are talking about Pep Guardiola needing to win the Champions League for City, so getting out of the group stage, they've already done it, but they are struggling to score goals. They do it at the weekend, and you think, oh, they're back, okay, they've they've got some form, they're clicking, but they do have a problem. They don't have a number nine that is going to get you 20, 30
2: goals a season when you can't rely on Aguero. It's as simple as that. You've got so much money in defense. You've got all them players in that midfield. The you know, De Bruyne are one of the greatest guys and in assists and in, in one of the best players in the world, but they have not got their firepower yeah. down as that number nine for me. And until they do get somebody like that, like a Harry Kane that you know you're guaranteed goals from, yeah, like a Lewandowski that wins you but wins you know, wins the Champions League. Until you get somebody like that Manchester City cannot win the
0: Champions League. So, can I ask one more thing, Bridgie? There was seven games without a golfer club and country for Gabriel Jesus. Yep. But, so you look at today where literally they did everything but score. Goalkeeper yep. was amazing. Jesus, Sterling, um, uh, a couple of Torres really had big chances. Do you not subscribe to the theory it's at least they're creating them? For them, for a club like City, do you see it as a, as a massive problem that they're not converting?
2: Yes, because the conversion rate is terrible. And when you've got players that are doing that, I'm telling you, if you've got Lewandowski playing in Manchester City's front line, he is getting hat-trick after hat-trick and he's, he's getting them out of
1: trouble. As simple as that. Until they get a number nine, they will not win the Champions League. Okay. Well, elsewhere in that group, Marseille got their first points with a 2-1 victory over Olympiacos. It means those two clubs next week fighting for their place in the Europa League. Big morning coming your way Thursday, Australian time. John Aloisi is with us on the line to look ahead to some good fixtures, including the big one, John, from Old Trafford. Mark Schwarzer will be there for us. We're looking forward to seeing what he wears amongst other things, as I mentioned earlier. But the game itself, finally poised because Manchester United have a tantalising opportunity to go through to the knockout stages. But if they lose and Leipzig, as we expect, beat Besiktir here, all of a sudden three teams on nine points, United can't afford to leave it to the last round, surely.
4: No, they can't. They need to get a result at Old Trafford. And look, a draw would be a positive one for them, but uh, you'd, you know, I'm sure they would like to win the game and go out there and try and win the game. It's going to be uh, finally balanced. That the whole group, you know, PSG are playing for their lives, uh, especially Tuchel. If he doesn't win this game, you know, his job could be on the line because they're not really running away with it in Liga in, over in France. So. Um, and, and Man United looked really good against Southampton. I know the first half they were 2-0 down, but I thought they had enough chances to be up in that game. They could see it off two set pieces. And in the second half, especially when Cavani came on, we've been crying out for him to play. Um, he showed what he's capable of doing and scoring goals. So you expect Solskjaer to start him against PSG, his old club.
1: Are Manchester United back, John? I feel like we ask that question every time they string a couple of results together. They were good against Besiktas here, like you would expect. Their away record in the Premier League is phenomenal, winning eight in a row. They got out of danger against Southampton after a half where they probably didn't deserve to be 2-0 down in the first place. How many false dawns do you think before Manchester United fans just revolt and say enough is enough?
4: Yeah, look, it's uh, it's a hard one to put your finger on because, uh, you know, they played a couple of weeks ago against West Brom at home and were poor. Um, But that was after international break, so, you know, you have to cut Solskjaer a bit of slack. They are looking fitter. That's a a positive. I still think that, uh, you know, they need to string a couple of uh, good results together and and good performances. Like on the weekend, it was a, a good result with a good performance. Um, they've won three in a row uh, so you know you, you think that the, they are on their way back but um, you know it's all about tomorrow getting the result if they if get the result and get the win they're through the group stage a tough group stage and... You know, things are starting to look rosy again for Manchester
0: United. You know, Rich, I think about what you just said a fair bit. Because, like, you go back to the 5-0 against Leipzig and we're hailing Solskjaer's tactical change. Then you go to the dip against Istanbul Bissakse here and it's like, this club's not going anywhere. And then you go back to their away record in the, in the Premier League and you go, well, maybe there's something there. And I actually think with Solskjaer, it's a case of, you know, away from home with the style of play he's got and the players he's got, if he's ever up against the wall... He's got the dressing room, clearly. So they're going to go in those away games and have um, the result that he needs. And almost every time they're backs against the wall, they're going to get that rousing result that he needs. And I wonder tomorrow, Bridgie, against a PSG side who are going to have all the ball, this is the match made in heaven for gonna Solskjaer, surely.
2: It certainly is. It's a test because the last three meetings between the teams, the away sides have, have won. Manchester United have won it twice away. PSG have won it once away. So everything favours the away side and PSG... Ollie and his team have got to get it right. I think it's going to be a very very tough task, but I'm going to stick with Solskjaer and United. They're going to have to this is this is the game where he has got to be accountable and they've got to get the result.
1: John, obviously you mentioned Cavani coming on at the weekend doing such a great job. We saw Dean Henderson coming on as well and keeping a second half clean sheet. What are you expecting team lineup-wise? Is Cavani now the number 9 by default, of course putting to side the fact that he, he's being investigated for an off-field issue which from his perspective he'll he hope does not end in some sort of ban but is he the number nine now is he the option now he's proven himself
4: I think so I, I look I, I you know I don't think he needed to prove himself I think he just needed to get fit again because he's a, a striker that Man United haven't got and he's a striker that a lot of clubs haven't got he's that real box uh, striker that finds space uh, all the time you look at his goals on the weekend not many other strikers would have scored those goals and uh, you know, especially that first one. He was the only one alive to that shot from Fernandez. He he read the situation. He knew Fernandez was going to you know uh, have a shot. And and most times, if they do go across the goal, if they miss it a little bit, you know he's there for the tap in. And uh, you know I, I think that he has to start. Um, and and against a team that you know I'm not sure whether PSG will dominate possession. They didn't against Leipzig. They they set off and they tried to catch Leipzig on the break. Maybe they might do the same against Man United because they feel that they're not that quick at the back. And uh, it's going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be a tough one for Man United, but uh, I think Solskjaer has to start Cavani.
1: From a neutral's point of view, I'd love to see PSG win this Leipzig win against Basiksa here and then just set up that amazing run home in the final match day. Borussia Dortmund and Lazio are both trying to avoid a a last day scramble. They're at the head of Group F and they play each other tomorrow, desperate to try to get through to a knockout stage that they're so close to. Two teams already there, of course, Chelsea and Sevilla. They meet in Spain. I uh, asked Dave Wiener on the post-game show whether Chelsea will just rest players ahead of the big one against Leeds. He didn't actually bite. John Uh, what are your thoughts I suppose Lampard could you know take his third string team over there and it still be full of absolute superstars and they should expect to win
4: yeah I don't think that he will I think he'll go there and try and win I don't think that he'll rest players uh, because he needs to finish top of that group if they if they want to go far into the Champions League they want to avoid the top guns and, uh, and so finishing top does do that for you uh, well most of them there will still be you know some big teams that finish second so I think Lampard will try and play his strongest team which he believes is going to win the game against Sevilla and still there's a, a tough uh, game at hand against Leeds United because you know I know that it's your team I know that Bridgie loves Leeds and, uh, but I love watching them play they're such an exciting attacking uh, team and they've created the most chances, uh, even more than Chelsea, Dave Wiener, so in the league, they just haven't got that striker you talk about Man City, uh, you know Bamford's been informed, but they they, they missed so many chances, Bridget
2: Thanks, John. I'll give you the $50 later, mate. That was a great plug for Leeds United. You, do you want to become an ambassador as well?
0: <laughs> it sounded like it was my fault that Chelsea missing all the chances too. There's something I can do about it.
1: <laughs> uh, don't worry. Don't worry. Leeds are missing plenty of chances when you look at how many they're creating. All right. Bit of a challenge here on the podcast. Dave, I'm going to give you a team. Bridgie, I'm going to give you a team. Really even contest tomorrow. You've each got 20 seconds to make the case for why they will win this game. The game is Ferench Varos at home to Barcelona. Dave, you've got <laughs> Ferencvaros. Varos. The spirit of Pushkas is going to get them home
0: against the might of Barcelona. <laughs> no, I'm, actually, do you know what? Bridgie's been laughing at me for the whole Uh, competition, but Ferris have had a crack in every single game and they're going to do it again
1: here. They might end up copping five, but at least it'll be decent to watch. Okay, so there you go. They're going to have a crack uh, and still lose, uh, evidently. Uh, Brutti, do you have a case for Barcelona going and winning this game?
2: All the dramas off the field, all the talk, the the wage cuts and all the dramas that are going on at Barcelona, this is the game that they need because I reckon they will get nine plus against this team who (laughs) Dave Wiener rates very highly whenever they get beat. (laughs) Messi will do the damage along with Party. There you go. Job's done.
1: Just a quick word on Lionel Messi. I love, obviously, the goal he scored at the weekend, John, because it was such a Maradona-esque run and finish. He took the top off and he had the Newell's Old Boys jersey on. I love as well that it had Adidas on it. I'm sure that wasn't a, yeah, <laughs> that an was, accident, by the way, well from, deliberate. from Lionel Messi. But we, he hasn't really been scoring anything other than penalties. Is there a sign that in scoring a goal like that, being influential in a win against your old side, Osasuna, do you think there's a good chance we're going to see the real Messi sooner rather than later?
4: Yeah, I think so. He, we actually saw the real Messi uh, against Osasuna. I, I thought that he was back to his best. Uh, and it was. Uh, you have to give credit to Koeman because he rested him uh, during the Champions League last week because they're already through the group stages. We'll finish top of that group. But, um, yeah, Messi was outstanding. Not only his goal, he's just all-round play. The, the chances he was setting up. Uh, he, he looks refreshed. He looks uh, back to his best. And, yeah, that, that goal was amazing. And uh, it was just a great thing to do, you know, with the New World's old boys. Maradona did play there. And Messi was at the stadium that uh, Maradona scored, that, uh, that a goal very similar to his. Uh, and, and he was only six years old. So, you know, there, there was, uh, obviously, he's always been compared to Maradona. But, uh, that means that, you know, how special uh, Maradona was to him as well.
0: That was amazing this week, reading about him as a six-year-old there. But does it help, John, that it seems like Antoine Griezmann is smiling again? Would that be right to say that things are looking a little bit brighter in that regard too?
4: Yes, brighter. What a goal he scored against Altaxon. If you haven't seen that, have a look at the volley. You can't hear that any sweeter than that. Um, and yeah, I think what they did—they finally found a formation that suits them, and that was a player striker up top. I know Braithwaite isn't probably a world beater; he's not one of the best players or strikers in the world. But it suited the way that Griezmann, Messi, and Continua, uh played together. So I, I thought they were—they were very good. Um, Coutinho looked like he—he he was a little bit happier, but Griezmann—that was his best performance of the season so far.
1: I'm not totally sure that Brathwaite isn't a world beater because horses went global. From memory, <laughs> um, it was a really good song. Uh, John, thanks yeah, for
4: you- Paul. I went global.
1: That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly right. Uh, Bridgie, is this an Australian band? Uh, well, yeah, Daryl Braithwaite? No horses. No, horses sing it, sing it, Dave. No, <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, uh, I'm a Bon Jovi fan. Yeah, we don't have the uh, audio rights Living to
2: sing on it. A prayer.
1: Yeah, we'll cut that out as well. Bridget's education needs to continue after this podcast. <laughs> All right, well, Bridget will go and work on his Australian uh, singer songwriter knowledge, and John, we'll catch you tomorrow morning for the coverage. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be good fun. All those games we mentioned. Uh, plenty of talking points as always, and no doubt after today. Seeing two teams through to the knockout stage, there'll be more to chat about on the Gagan pod tomorrow. Bridgie, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm going to go straight in and check out who this guy is. Do it. <laughs> Dave, all the best. Can't wait for tomorrow.
0: Immobile versus Haaland, by the way. We oh, are yes. spoiled. We are spoiled.
1: Yep, Man City could use one of those, Bridgie. Certainly could. Told you. It won't win the Champions League till they get one. Yep, okay. Well, watch this space uh, between now and the next Gagan Pod. Incidentally, coming up tomorrow, Thursday, Australian time. Enjoy your football.